There is no better place to be than the presence of God with his people. And that's what we come to do every week. And so it's great to be with you this morning. It's great to be back preaching. The last time I preached was Christmas. I know, it's been a while. But um, Jesus isn't rusty, so it's going to be good. Because <laughs> Jesus is here. We're talking about foundations. If you're with us for the first time this morning, we're doing a series on foundations. So going back to those principal truths in the Bible in which we build our life upon. And Paul talks about building line upon line, precept upon precept. The stronger foundation you have, the higher you can go, the further you can go, and the more you can withstand. So last week, Richard spoke about us being, can anyone remember? Yet say it like you mean it. There we go. Well done. We exist as King's Church to make Jesus famous. It's all about making Jesus famous. And we do that by acknowledging first and foremost that we are absolutely loved. Regardless of what we do, Jesus loves us. And that because he loves us, we can love him in return. And we can then love others around us. The greatest commandment. Love God with everything. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's so, so important. And it's such, such a grounding principle. It sounds simple, but the love of God changes everything. Absolutely everything. And when we understand just how much he loves us, as Paul says in Ephesians, we will be filled with the fullness of God. And so we are those that are loved and we are those that love God back. But what does it look like? I want to start here just picking up where Richard left off, well, kind of midway. And um, what does it look like to love God back? Because God, in our relationship with him, he kind of just doesn't leave us to our own devices, but he stipulates what that relationship looks like. And we must always go to scripture, like we're doing in our foundations, to understand what being in relationship with Jesus looks like. Because if we don't, we will be in relationship with him on our own terms, and that doesn't work. Because then we will we'll put our own thinking, the way, we, the way we think it should be, upon him, when he clearly reveals himself, and who he is, and how how we are to relate to him in the word of God. So what does it look like to love God? John 15. Turn with me if you have your Bibles, John 15. And if you don't, don't worry, it will come up on the screen. From verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. 1 John 5 verse 3 says, In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Come on, know your Bibles. This is what it looks like to love God, to keep 
his commands. We cannot say we love the Lord if we're not those who seek to keep his commands. He tells us really clearly. And so to remain in God's love, to remain aware and living rooted and grounded in his love, looks like obeying his commandments. To be fruitful and to love him, the the passage in John 15 talks about fruitfulness, living life, bearing fruit that will last. In order to do that, we remain in him by obeying his commands. Now, a lot of times in our lives, we're praying and striving because things are not going well. We think it's the devil, but we're simply living in disobedience. (laughs) And actually, the fruitfulness you're looking for is on the other side of your obedience. You would simply walk in obedience, simply do what the Lord says to do, and your life will be fruitful. That is what he says, and that is how we live in a love relationship with the Father. Jesus modeled that. He said, just as I obeyed the Father, you too obey him, and then you will remain in his love. Then you will know his goodness. Then you will be fruitful. Then you will have life to the full, the reason I came and gave my life. And in order to live a life in obedience to Jesus, the understanding is that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's the foundational point I want to make this morning is that because the thing is, your understanding of Jesus, you will will relate to him in line with your revelation of him. And so who you understand him to be will dictate your actions following When we understand and recognize that he is Lord, he is master, he is ruler, he is king of everything, he is king of the universe, then we are able to walk in obedience. In Peter, in in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, let's turn there actually, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost happened, they were filled with tongues and they were making lots of noise and people thought they were drunk. And Peter stood up with boldness, full of the Spirit. He stood up and he declared to them from the Old Testament scriptures what was happening. He said, this is a fulfillment of what was happening. He goes on to talk about how um, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, to to the Jewish people, the Lord was Yahweh. That was God, God of gods. That's his name. So sacred was his name that they wouldn't even say it for fear of blaspheming God. And so Peter shows up and he says, this same Jesus that you crucified, God has made both Lord and Messiah. He is Yahweh. He is God. And so, and the moment they said that, he ends his great sermon with that. And it says here in verse 36, I'll read from verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now watch this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. They were cut to the heart because in that moment they realized Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, he is the ultimate master and ruler of everything. And because he is God, what do I do? I have to surrender. I surrender to him. Do you know it's good to be cut to the heart? It's good to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's good for him to remind us of his truth. Because when we come to salvation, when we come to Jesus, when we receive him, we don't first and foremost receive him as friend. Hear me right here. Because it says in Romans chapter 10, 
And from verse 9, Romans 10, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, that's why it's so important we understand fully who Jesus is because then it defines the way we relate to him. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, again, it repeats, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. When we come to Jesus Christ, hear me right, he is our friend. But when we come to salvation, we don't say, oh Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross and I receive you as my friend. That is not gonna, that's not going to save you. Oh Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me so much and you care for me and I can give you warm hugs and they feel so cozy. That will not get you saved because that is not what Jesus says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, thanks Kalani, I know I'm like trying to avoid it, (laughs) that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God, he's ruler of everything and therefore he is ruler of my life. I submit to his lordship and I submit to his authority. If you believe that he is Lord and confess that, then we are saved. And the reason that's so important is because, you know, we've said before, the, 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 the famous quote is, whatever you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And hear me right, don't get me wrong, Jesus is our friend, but not in the way we think sometimes. I'm even going to dare to say, I don't, Jesus is not your homie. He's not. He's the king of the universe. He's not your homie. Because a homie is someone who is, is your buddy, is someone, now, now, I don't know about you, but I have lots of different types of friends, right? I have my best friends, I have my associate friends, and I have my, and you know, any given day, I can pick or choose who I want to relate to and how I want to relate to them. I don't obey my friends. My friends give me advice, but I do not have to obey them. Jesus, on the other hand, is my Lord, and I must obey him. Because his commands are not burdensome. They are for my good. They are so I can live a life of fruitfulness. And he modeled this. He didn't just say, come and obey me because for the sake of it, he, in obedience to the Father, in obedience, laid down his life. He died the most gruesome death. It's where we get the word excruciating. It's from the cross. It's where we get the word. And he died so that we could live. And he says, follow me. Now follow me and you will have life. I am your friend, but not in the way you sometimes think. It's not a click. We're not just friends on Facebook who like each other's photos. We're not just on Instagram where we just see what you're doing. Every now and again, I bob in and I bob out, and sometimes I get a bit jealous. That's not... (laughs) I mean, speaking of disobedience, for the last few weeks, the Lord has been telling me, Lukundo, you need to take an Instagram break. And this is what we do sometimes. You know, we kind of logicalize with God, and we're like... Yeah, but Jesus, there's so many influential people who encourage me on Instagram. And, and you know what I did? This is me confessing. I am not ashamed to confess my sins. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. I'm just trying to get healed this morning. Okay. So I said, no, God. You know, so I went onto my Instagram account and I just deleted everything that was nonsense. Because I thought, the reason you don't want me on Instagram is, you know, so that 
I, I don't look at all the foolishness. So I, I deleted all the, they're not bad accounts, but you know, like, there's only so many, like, makeover accounts, like, you know, flipping houses and whatever. So I unfollowed them, and I was like, right, God, that's fine. My Instagram is clean now. It's good. It's all inspirational. He said, look, I told you to take a break off Instagram. To obey is better than sacrifice. Partial obedience is disobedience. You are walking in disobedience, Lukundo. And I knew it because my life was not fruitful. I knew it that I am what God is so loving. He's so loving. Like a loving father, if, 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 if a father does not love you, he won't discipline you. It's only a loving parent that disciplines you. If your parents do not discipline you, it's because either they haven't had a good upbringing or they don't love you. But I believe they love you. They're just, they're working it out. I'm a new parent myself. We're working it out. We're working it out. But a loving parent disciplines you. said, Lukundu, you're walking in disobedience. And so, and I started making excuses. Oh, I have to like deactivate. So I need to get my laptop out because I can't do it from the phone app. And he was like, you just go on the browser, Lukundu. I was like, oh yeah, sure. So I went on the browser and the moment, I kid you not, I kid you not, the moment I came off, something changed inside of me. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are flesh and blood, but the real me the real you, the real essence of you is your spirit. That's the real you. That's the part of you that will live on when this decays. God bless us all. We buried the queen earlier this week. And I was chatting with Dami, and you know, she's in this great, amazing place. But just like everyone else, she will decompose. Absolutely. It will be dust. Dust will return to dust. That is not the real you. That's not the fullness of who you are. The fullness of who you are, the real you, is your spirit. And you only come alive when the Spirit of God lives in you. That is when you truly, truly come alive. When you receive Jesus as Lord, he promises you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will receive life. And so I eventually deleted it and I'm walking in obedience again until I probably mess up again. <laughs> That's what happens. I probably will. But he's right there. His grace is sufficient for us. Do we continue to sin because grace abounds? No, God forbid. But he enables us to say no to sin. The truth is, you cannot truly experience the friendship of God without his lordship. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot tell me the Lord is your friend if he is not first your Lord. We sang so many times this morning, he is Lord, he is Lord, he is Lord. When we sit and think about what that actually means, it's like he is everything. He created everything. There is no universe speaking somewhere, commanding things to happen. It is God. He is real. He is the beginning and the end. He exists outside of time. Yet he chose to step into time so that we could live with him in eternity, outside of time. And that life begins now. We cannot truly experience the friendship of the Lord without his lordship, the friendship of Jesus without his lordship. Because if we go back to John 15 and we read in verse 11, the very next verse that says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. We cannot have his friendship without his lordship. Psalm 25 and verse 14 in the NIV says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Or in the ESV it says, the friendship 
or the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. I'm your friend because I've revealed what the Father has said to me, to you. But you are my friends if you do what I say. There are two amazing examples of people who were called friends of God in the Old Testament, and that's Moses and Abraham. Two people we know were called friends of God. Moses so feared the Lord. When you look at his life, he feared the Lord. He walked in reverence and he had incredible encounters with God. He saw God. He ate with God and he didn't die. And in Exodus 24, when Moses was, um, was, was God called him up to receive the Ten Commandments, it says he first called him up, right, onto the mountain. And then Moses waited for six days, right? He's not up in the cloud yet. Moses just waited for six days. When I saw this, it blew my mind. Exodus chapter 24, verse 15 to 18. Moses waited for six days. I don't know what he was doing for those six days, but he waited, and then God called him up into the cloud, and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. That's friendship. He reverenced, and he waited, and he just sat there and waited, whatever he was doing. Kalani encouraged us to wait in the presence of God this morning for all but two and a half minutes. And Moses waited for six days. And then he went on. The friendship of God. When we reverence him, we wait on him because we're waiting to hear what he will command. And he goes up and he hears the commandments and God says, this is how to live as my people so that I can dwell amongst you. Moses revered the presence of God. He revered it. He bowed before the Lord. He took off his shoes when the ground was holy and he was called a friend of God. Not a buddy, not a homie, not a follow, not a click. A friend of God who revered him. Abraham was a friend of God. James says, James chapter 2 actually from verse 18. And James is encouraging people to say, you can say you have faith in God, but if you don't walk like it, then what's the point? And it says, but some will say you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish people. You foolish people. To say I believe, but yet my life does not reflect that he is my Lord, is to be foolish. James said it, not me. It's foolishness to think, to think that I can say I have a relationship where I'm in Christ when the fruit of my life, the way I make my decisions, the way I go about my day does not reflect the fact that he is Lord. I cannot wait on him. I cannot seek him. I do not ask him his opinion on everything I do. Hear me, there is nothing too small to ask the Lord his opinion on. There is nothing too small. I know sometimes, you know, we can say there are big decisions that we really need to hear the Lord and there are small ones that, and there is truth in that. But if you want to get good at hearing the Lord on big decisions, get good at hearing him in the small. Tomorrow morning, I dare you to ask him to tell you what shoes to put on. Seriously, it works. He wants to commune with you. The only way you get better at hearing him, like Ukaya said, is to give him space, give time, and practice. If you want to live in reverence and listen and obey him, we have to work towards that. So ask him, what do you think about what I just posted? What do you think about what I liked? What do you think about what I should do? What course should I study? Ask him. He wants to tell you. He wants to relate and he wants to commune with you. 
you foolish person, because even the demons know that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> even demons. Except they don't act like it, so that, that's different. Do you want evidence of faith without deeds itself? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Abraham was considered God's friend. And he obeyed the Lord to the point that he almost killed his only son. How far are we willing to go in our obedience to Jesus? Even when it seems crazy. Even when God is asking us to do something that makes no sense. No sense at all. But Abraham was sure and convinced of the fact that he is everything to me. And if he tells me to kill my son, I'm sure he'll bring him back to life because he can do that. And all I'm going to do is walk in obedience. And he was called a friend of God. We cannot have his friendship if we don't have his lordship. When we come to him, we believe and confess that he is Lord first and foremost. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49. Koffo read this a few weeks ago. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. Do you just take a moment to reflect? And you know that day when one day we will meet him and he will say, welcome my good and faithful servant. If it was right now, just, just in your life right now, just between you and the Lord, this is not between me and you. But are we in a place where we are saying Lord, but we really don't do what he says? We're not walking in obedience. Don't get me wrong. We make mistakes all the time. Moses and Abraham did all the time. But they sought to walk in obedience to the Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Anyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like one who built his house on a strong foundation. To hear him and to obey him is to build on a strong foundation. To recognize him as Lord is to see fruitfulness and abundance in your life because he loves you. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 9-11, and we sang it this morning, that because Jesus walked in obedience and he humbled himself to the point of death and death on a cross, therefore God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, everyone will confess that he is Lord. We get to do that right now. Could the, you guys come back up? We get to choose to do that right now. Now, if you've never done this before, I want to tell you this. This is the truth. There is only one God, and he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. There is only one God. His name is not Buddha. His name is not Muhammad. His name is Jesus. Jesus is God, and he came because we chose to live in rejection of him. 
in the Garden of Eden, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as though to say, I want to be the one in charge and make the commands. When God is like, no, 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 I know everything. Just listen to me and you'll have life. And so Jesus came and listened to God and lived in complete obedience. And therefore, he was the perfect sacrifice. He died, so we don't have to die. This will die, but we will live on when we put our faith in him. This will die. It comes to all of us, unless Jesus Christ comes back before, because he is coming back. And when he comes back, he will swallow up that final enemy, which is death. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. And so we get to choose in this moment to say, I believe that you are God and you are Lord. And I repent. I'm sorry for living life my own way. And I ask you to forgive me. And I receive you not first as my friend. You are my friend. You will be my friend. But first as my Lord. And when you do that, he comes and he lives inside you. He comes and he changes you by his spirit. We declare that Jesus is Lord over everything but that he's also Lord over my life. My decisions, my everyday, my thoughts, how I respond, you are Lord, not the people around me, not the culture of the day, because that changes all the time. All the time it changes. That's not what's supposed to dictate my life. The one who gave his life for me is who's supposed to dictate my life. And every song we've sang today, and when we read in Scripture and we talk about being Lord, the number of times we've said every knee will bow, there is something about a response, the correct response and revelation of who he is. Now, don't get me wrong. We can come to him with whatever posture we feel comfortable, but we must be careful, again, to not begin to, 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 to make our relationship and the way we relate to him just what we think. There's a reason the Scripture says one day every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. There's something about a recognition and a submission that you are God and I am not. That you are everything and yet you love me. And so my response, my response is to kneel. The queen died and people went and they paid homage and they bowed. And she's just a human. She was amazing. Get me wrong. But there's a rightful way to respond to royalty. <laughs> and we have the king of kings and the lord of lords, the king of everything. And so I want to invite you as we sing, if you want to acknowledge him, whether it be for the first time or the fifth or sixth or seventh time, we'll always forever be saying he is lord. I want to invite you to kneel. You don't have to, because this is not about doing what I say. This is about a response between you and Jesus. And when we receive his lordship, something happens in our hearts. Something happens. Everything falls in line with who he is and what he wants and his perfect will. And so much of what you long to experience is on the other side of that obedience, of that submission to who he is. So as we sing this song... If you want to respond to the loving Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, and say again that he is your Lord, then just kneel as we sing. Don't feel under any uncompulsion. But I do want to challenge you because he's so worth it. Oh my gosh, he's worth it. He's so worth it. He's so worth it. He's so worth it. And his power is real. 
His presence is the realest thing ever. He's realer than anything you can touch. So let's surrender fresh to Him.